Hello and welcome to another episode of The Art of Blooming with your host, Daniela. And Mariah. So today's episode is so beautiful and has so many nuggets of wisdom. We have one of Mariah's dear friends, Tanya Gabrish. Mariah, can you please explain more about our friend, Tanya? Yes, we love Tanya so much. Um, Daniela and Tanya actually were acquainted as well because Daniela designed the cover. And what did you do with the inner pages? So I also designed kind of like the layout of the inside pages because there was like a special like division between them. So So yes, Daniela helped design or she did design Tanya Gabrish's poetry book called Taste My Supernova. This is not a plug, okay? (laughs) It's not a plug, (laughs) but it's a fact. And that's why you guys were acquainted because Tanya was looking for a graphic design artist to help her. And I was like, I got you, my girl. So I'm glad it worked out. And yeah, now we have Tanya here today to just have a heart to heart with us. We wanted to make this feel like you're just hanging out with your girlfriends and getting deep. And obviously we touch on Tanya's story where where all the things in her life that got her to where she is today and what inspired her to write the amazing poetry that is in Taste My Supernova. So we hope you enjoy and let's dive into the episode. So Tanya, we're so excited to have you here. And I think this has been a long time coming because I've always just loved everything about you from the way you carry yourself to how talented you are. And I know you're very multifaceted and you have so many different things going on in your life. And I would just love to share your story and have just a real conversation about what it means to evolve and grow into yourself through the many different seasons of life. And I think that's just the theme of this podcast is that we're always growing and expanding and transforming. And there's so many different phases of our lives that challenge us. And, you know, we're here to have conversations that are real and to yeah, just get to know all these unique stories. So we would love to just kick it off and get to know you by asking you your villain origin story and where you grew up (laughs) and basically everything in your life leading to now. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah. (laughs) That sounds great. Yes. Thrilled to be here. I agree. I feel like it's the meeting of three minds because I don't know if this will make the final cut, but Daniela actually designed the cover for my book, which we'll get into later. Um, But so, and Mariah has been an amazing, you've been an amazing like creative force and champion of having, you know, being real with me and saying, you know, push it forward, be yourself. So I'm very excited to be here. My villain origin story starts in Indiana. (laughs) Yes. So I, yes, I grew up in the Midwest. Um, oldest of four girls. My parents got divorced when I was like five. So I was living in Wisconsin, which is tomato, tomato to Indiana, very close. And I just always knew I was different. It was like this very weird, inherent just feeling. I think, you know, growing up in Indiana, it's exactly what you would think it would be like. (laughs) It's very organized, religion driven, very, um, you have a templated life kind of ahead of you. 
So whatever you do in life, you're kind of striving towards marriage and having a family of your own and basically perpetuating the template. And I just kind of knew instinctually that I was a little weird and a little different and a little quiet. And that probably wasn't going to work for me. I just wanted to stay inside and read, you know, like Harry Potter all day or (laughs) write and just be a free being. And I was like painfully quiet and awkward. So there wasn't a lot of kind of like intermingling or having a lot of friends. I was very to myself. And I think that, you know, created a lot of challenges (laughs) in terms of knowing even who I was because I wasn't having a lot of interaction and I wasn't really doing a lot other than keeping to myself. But it also created a lot of good things like uh, my poetry and having, you know, to kind of discover the hard way, you know, how to discover myself and how to actually, you know, A, figure out how I felt about things and myself and the world around me, but then B, how to tell other people and like, when was it safe to tell people? How do I organize all these thoughts? and give them to people. And so, you know, growing up, I think is a little bittersweet for me. I don't necessarily think about it fondly, but I do think it was constructive towards the person I am now, if that makes sense. Mm, Totally. Totally. It's so interesting. I didn't know that you were so quiet Mm -hmm. and shy growing up because the way you portray yourself and the way I see you is so fiery and spicy and Mm -hmm. you just know what you want. And I feel like that comes across as extremely confident and, and outgoing. So it's just interesting to see how the evolution of that alone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that it kind of helped me. I think I would have been a monster if I didn't start <laughs> off super, super quiet and weird and awkward and like uncomfortable. If I had started off this confident, I don't know where we would be right. at today. Right, we so all need I'm a humbling, glad. we all oh, need a yeah, humbling experience, hum- yeah, humble beginnings. Humble beginnings. <laughs> yeah, humble beginning. The confidence is new, but I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, but no, it's it's just funny because I do see that softer side of you, that Midwestern, just from the moment I met you, you're just so kind and compassionate and genuine. And finding somebody like that in LA, because we were both living in LA at the time, I was like, okay, wow, she's so different from everyone else here. Like, yeah, she's super gorgeous and hot and like looks like she fits in here in LA. But guys, like, (laughs) I I mean, she's beautiful, drop dead gorgeous. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, yeah, she belongs in LA, but honestly, like she has a heart of gold. So I feel like getting to know you and your story and just everything that you've been through. I know you've been through so much, especially in the last like five years or so. Mm Mm-hmm which I'm sure is what's inspired this amazing book of yours, which Taste My Supernova is exactly as it sounds. (laughs) And (laughs) I love that name. And so I would love to hear why you chose that name. Yeah, absolutely. I was just writing a poem one day. I think I was just in like a sexual mood. Sorry, everyone. (laughs) And Never apologize. It just, yeah. (laughs) I'm not sorry. You're right. Um, And it just came to me in a line. And I hadn't at that point, I was just kind of writing a lot of different poems that weren't related to each other. There wasn't an exact theme. I was just throwing my thoughts down on paper. And, you know, so I wrote like erotic and then all these random things. And this one just came to me. And I looked at it. I was like, yes, the fucking title. Mm -hmm. I was like, 
because it's interesting. People might not know what it means. Hopefully they will after they read a few poems. But that's how I came to it is I was just I'm very like space oriented. I've always just been so interested in like alien life. And that's the nerd side of me. And so I tend to think of kind of like a woman's body as like, you know, different like orbiting, you know, other kind of beings. So it just it just felt it just fit. Oh, I love that so much. And I'm going to read the intro because the intro is so good. And I have it here in front of me. We too come from the stars. This is about explosions. This is my soul traveling through time and space to communicate the wonderful and the wild. This is my being translated into words. Thank you for joining me and for tasting my supernova. Just, I just love it so much. It's so good. And like, I remember when we were doing the, like, I was mapping it out and I was reading and geeking out the entire time. Like, I was like, this is so angsty, but at the same Mm -hmm. time, so inspiring. And like, I could just feel that like Aries energy in you. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Totally. Yeah. Okay. Not to go off track, but tell us your um, sun, moon rising. Okay. Yes. I am an Aries sun a Sag moon, and a Libra rising. Oh, yes. Such a Libra rising. And then what's your (laughs) Venus? Is your Venus an Aries? I'm a Taurus Venus, but (gasps) I cannot tell you what that means. I know I'm a Mars Aries. Okay, Mm. yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. That totally makes sense. So the Venus and Taurus, what would you say, Danielle? It's like very romantic and kind of like slow to warm up, I feel like, in love. Like it takes some Mm -hmm. time. You almost like need someone else to pursue you. But then once you're in it, it's like, you're so in it. And it's like sweet, sweet, romantic. And yes. And like very all about beauty and aesthetics. Like things need to smell good. Candles lit, like flowers, like, Mm -hmm. yes. Oh my, that is creepy how dead on that is. (laughs) I'm like, I feel like my partner has to be like 300% into me in order for me to like start feeling safe to be into them. Okay. Well, (laughs) yes. Well, that's why, because it's very Taurus of you, Venus and Taurus. Yeah, astrology, the stars don't lie. As we know, we too come from the stars. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So I feel like the next book should, you should like consult an astrologer (laughs) because I feel like that would be an epic combination to do something with them in poetry. Yeah, I might have to to top my current name. So we'll see what happens. But yeah, I was just reading through it. And I felt like I went on such a journey with you and it was so intimate and vulnerable because poetry, it's what it is. It is the most vulnerable form of writing. And I could just see like the beginning felt so full of hope and desire and passion. And then midway through, you just, it's like the reality hits of life and love Mm -hmm. and the heartbreak and the pain and the darkness that comes with that. And I felt like you just wrote about that in such a real way that it was, you weren't sugarcoating anything. It was like, no, this shit is real. Life is hard. Love fucking sucks. (laughs) Um, And, you know, sometimes love isn't enough. And then towards the end, it was like you feeling liberated and coming into yourself and and the book ends with you essentially claiming this new sense of self and falling in love with yourself for the first time. And I just put it down and I was just like tearing up because I know you. And to read your words, it was like I was, it was such an intimate experience. And so I would just, 
I just want to hear more about like, how does that feel to just put all of that into the world? Like what, what was that feeling like? Yeah, it was really, really scary. I think naturally I'm more introverted. Like I definitely love people and um, love interacting, but I have a limit and there's only a limit, you know, in terms of like how much I want to share. So I definitely always kind of feel like I have to push myself if or I will not share myself at all. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it was really scary because a lot of those things in there I had never said to anyone before. So, you know, at the time that I wrote the bulk of this, I was going through a divorce and it was during the pandemic. And I had just been let go of my job um, because of the pandemic. So I was stuck living with my ex husband because I couldn't move out because I was laid off. And I just felt so cornered. And that's something that I I can't handle. So I just did the only thing I could do, which was write. Um, And so in doing it, it was really scary. And I was like, I don't know what people are going to think. You know, a lot of these topics have to do with my relationship with my parents or, you know, my estranged husband. What if he reads it or like someone else reads it and actually knows how I feel about things? Like it was just a lot of emotions. And, you know, I think I was pleasantly surprised once I actually put it out that a lot of those fears never came to fruition. (laughs) Like Mm -hmm. no one ever, ever said anything negative or like, you're a terrible writer, like all the intrusive thoughts that I was thinking. And I think I felt comfortable to do it because poetry specifically is just so up to interpretation. If I had to write a short story or something that like required a lot of grammar or sentence structure... I think I would have been nervous, like, did I do a good job? But for poetry, I was like, was I true to myself? And did I, you know, was I able to express myself the way I wanted to? And the answer was yes. So even though it was terrifying, and it still is, I feel good about it. And I stand behind it. Mm, I love that for you. Is like, how did you handle the vulnerability hangover? Because that's something that (laughs) happens to me after every Mm -hmm. single episode that comes out of the podcast. Like, our last episode, yeah. I was so blunt. I just said so many things. And yeah. now this this entire week that we've been putting out like social media stuff, I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh my God, what did I say? Like, <laughs> yes. I'm, yeah. And it's like, you, you were like talking about things in such a deep way, but it's like what you were saying. It's your feelings and your thoughts mm-hmm. of like a lot of like delicate situations, right? Mm-hmm. Like, how did you deal with the process of knowing that that was going to be out there? And like, you know, like, how was that? I honestly feel like I'm still dealing with it. <laughs> <laughs> like, it is, it is really, really difficult. I totally agree. Like, it's, you've been kind of holding all these things in and you just kind of like release them onto paper or like in a recording or whatever the medium is. And then it's like, oh my gosh, what did I do? And I think immediately I was like, okay, I did this, but like, I'm never going to do a reading and I'm never going to talk about it in an interview or like, I'm not going to do, I'm not going to do. And here we are. I know. I know. I'm boundaries are clearly my strong suit. Um, (laughs) And I'm not going to do X, Y, and Z things because I only feel comfortable like having people read it. I don't want to talk about it. Mm. I don't want to like actually get into it. So I even kind of had limits on myself, you know, when I actually did it. But I think for me, like I just talking about the individual poems sometimes exhausts me with certain people who don't know me. 
So I think I've been slowly getting Mm. more comfortable with doing it. And so I feel like my hangover is stretched over a year instead of just like immediately after the book release. But any kind of like worries or anything, like I said, have not been affirmed. And I think that just helps me feel a little more comfortable. And Mm. even if just one person feels something or like people will say, I love this poem, I really connected with it. That makes it all worth it. I'm like, if someone just is a little weirdo like me and like going through something and like has a little bit of comfort where it makes them think, that helps. And I actually had a guy friend who will remain uh, anonymous. He told me, he was like, I read your book and I had been thinking about breaking up with my girlfriend and I read it and I did because I realized that a lot of those emotions that you were kind of digging into and talking Mm -hmm. about I didn't have those for her. And I was questioning that. And when I read it, and of course I felt awful. I was like, this was supposed to bring love and sex. Like this is not (laughs) supposed to bring heartbreak. But it was just, to me, I was like, I feel like that was worth it. You know, Mm -hmm. like I was like, wow, that is really, really intense. I would have never thought that. So those moments just keep happening, Dayala. And I just, (laughs) I deal with them as they come, but they're very unexpected. (laughs) But I feel like what you said, like, when I heard that, I just heard the word like provocative. And mm, I think that's mm-hmm. what this book is. It's it's very provocative. And so people are going to be provoked when they read it. And I think mm-hmm. when you provoke someone, like it is really impactful. And to know that you have that within you and that you can inspire people and create action and motivation, like that's it's a powerful feeling, but it's also scary. Mm -hmm. And it feels like you have this responsibility now that your work is out there in the world and that people are, you know, taking their own perspective from it. It's it's such an, there's just so many different feelings. (laughs) (laughs) Please, you can cough if you want. We can cut it. (laughs) But I feel like we're like, I want to talk more about what inspired you to start writing poetry? Like you talked about how, you know, you're in Indiana, you were quiet, you read Harry Potter books, but when did you start really writing for the first time? I started like as far back as I can remember. I, cause I thought about this a lot. I'm like, when was the moment? And I don't know if there's a specific moment, but when I was maybe six or seven, I started writing. We had a huge pine tree in the backyard And I would go back there and like climb the tree with one hand, you know, with my notepad and the other hand was like full of sap and like climb all the way to the top and just look out, you know, onto the farmland. And I would just write and I could not even tell you what I would give anything to have access to those notebooks and know what my six, seven year old brain was possibly thinking but I just always have. And then through school, I would do creative writing magazines. And then I would just keep writing. What I found is I'm not, which is ironic, because we're here now, I feel like I'm not great at speaking verbally, like there's a lot going on in my head. And like, to be able to like, have the thoughts in my head, and like all of the deep feelings be like organized and make sense when they leave my mouth, I feel like it's so hard. And so a lot of times I feel like I always turn to writing to even know how I feel. Because if I just sit there and let it swirl or try and tell someone, 
it like doesn't come out right. Wow. And I think about it later. Yeah. Wow. That's like, so I should have said fascinating this. to hear you say that mm-hmm. because when I hear you speak, you're very poetic. Like you're very descriptive. Just hearing you like tell the story of how you climbed up the tree with the sap, like the details, mm-hmm. I feel mm-hmm. like it's very poetic. It's very and visual too. Like, vi- I, yeah, you, like mm-hmm. I was painting the picture in my mind. I yes. was like, oh, so cute. Yes. So it's just <laughs> climbing. So I can only imagine what is actually in your brain. <laughs> It's intense in there. <laughs> but I, I really relate to that too, because I've always felt that way. Like there's so much and I feel like I kind mm-hmm. of see like my thoughts are almost visual. And so I mm-hmm. always have a hard time getting them out. Right. And so doing mm-hmm. this stuff like podcasting scares the fuck out of me because I'm like, oh my God, what am I even saying? What is going to come out next of my mouth? Because I just see like pictures in my mind. But that's, um, that's real though. Yeah. That's real. Like people yeah. actually have different types of thought processing. Like I'm not an expert mm-hmm. at all, but I was reading about this the other day and it's like some people have visual thoughts. Other people think out actual words. Um, other people don't see anything at all. Like when you're describing like what Tanya was describing, like I'm, I was I was six, seven and I would go up a pine. Like they don't see it in their wow, mind. Wow, that's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's I have so a friend like, that's, yeah. Yeah. I have a friend that doesn't crazy. see visually and I'm like, what? So that's exactly. all I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think that has a lot to do with our mercury placement too because that's about communication. So what's yours? Do you know what your mercury is in what sign? Oh, I don't. Oh my no. god, do you have co-star? Like I could find out. Yes, obviously. Because <laughs> <laughs> now I is want that to even know. Because I'm, I'm guessing. I mean, mine's Pisces, and I feel like Pisces is very like airy, ethereal. Like things don't always make sense. You're a Pisces, Mercury, and Sun. Hmm. Interesting. I'm an Aries, Mercury as well. <gasps> Interesting. Okay, you have so much Aries. So much fire. A little bit, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So spicy. (laughs) Interesting. Okay, well, I feel like also your rising sign, Libra, has a lot to do with the, like, when you speak in such poetic ways because it has to do Mm -hmm. with, like, Venus energy. Um, So that's super interesting. But I love that version. I thought it was just the, like, trauma (laughs) <laughs> so it's that too it's everything it's all in cute. one it's a cute it's a cuter fortune <laughs> <origin> story <laughs> um speaking of drama <laughs> I'm ready tell us all about your drama <laughs> in alphabetical order <laughs> yeah when was your first traumatic moment in detail just kidding we don't want to re-traumatize you no but wait wait oh, wait yes. like I okay. I want to take it back a little bit like okay. so I am visually imagining this okay guys so like <laughs> Last part we heard of your villain origin story, you're still in Indiana, Mm -hmm. right? And like, you're like writing in school and you're quiet and you're this introverted child, right? When did it change? Like, when did you become the Tanya? Like the Tanya that we all know and love. Yeah. (laughs) I feel like three years ago. (laughs) Um, Wow. Honestly. Yeah. I mean, I, I was... And it's weird. I was hearing this. I don't remember if it was a podcast or an article, but there was kind of this talk about like invisible children because you kind of have this, you know, where like helicopter parents who they're on their kids or people who are like neglectful of the kids. But then you also kind of have this um, probably more like normal relationship where they're just kind of keeping you alive. They're not necessarily like raising you to be people, but they're like keeping you alive and, and making sure you get, you know, raised 
to like <laughs> the minimum standards. And I, I love my parents, but I definitely feel like I was an invisible child. Like there was, I didn't, wasn't pushed to play any sports. I like didn't do any activities. I was just kind of there just like hanging around <laughs> and just kind of, you know, in survival mode almost until college. And that's when I was like, oh wait, people play sports or have hobbies or have passions. Like I've just been, you know, living and kind of like in, in coastal mode. And I, um, you know, I, I realized that basically after my marriage, like, you know, didn't work out and everything happened. I, I feel like I really had to go inward because I, you know, found this person. I, you know, definitely was in love with him and like was very attached and he gave me a lot of comfort, but a lot of distraction where I found him so young that I still kind of was like on the templated, just coasting. And when that ended, I was like, I don't even know who I am. Like, what do I want to do on the weekends? Like, where do I want to live in LA? Where, you know, do I want to spend time or where, where do I want to take my career if it's not supporting more than one person? You know, I have much more freedom now. So really, and that's a lot of what this book is about is just discovering myself and like the ethos of Tanya and what does Tanya want? Cause I was not in touch with that at all. I just kind of like I said, third time coasting um, and just kind of latched on to someone. And so when that was gone, it was it was a little bit of a wake up call, but exciting. I did want to hear like when you left Indiana and like when you got married and why you left and why you chose LA. Yeah. So I, um, I stayed in the Midwest until kind of my first job out of school, out of college. And I got an opportunity to be promoted and moved to Orlando, Florida. And so I was there for about three and a half years. And that was my first taste of like, okay, I chose this place to live. Yes, it's for work, but also it was a big move and like big life decision. And then um, when that job came to a close and I was interviewing, I had never thought about LA ever. And I was interviewing for these jobs and they flew me out. And I remember I had a free day um, because they're like, you know, check out the area, see how you feel. I know it's a big move. And I went to Laguna and I went up to a rooftop bar by myself and just looked at the coast. And I was like, yep, this is fucking (laughs) it. Like, I, I can't not do this. This is such a big adventure. So it really was in the moment. And I, I kind of have this joke where I'm a cartoon character. <laughs> like I kind of live each day as its own individual day or episode. <laughs> so I, of course, have goals, but I, I'm kind of living in the moment by, you know, by instance. And so it was like, there was no pre-planning, nothing. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to take this job and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to move here. And I haven't looked back since. So it was the best decision, but definitely a scary one. Mm, I mean, who doesn't love Laguna Beach? It's like a postcard. I mean, it's so beautiful. Yes. I need to go. Yeah. And you know what? You need to watch. You have to. Have you guys watched Laguna Beach? Like the reality yes. show? Okay. <laughs> it's, it's so funny because Jack and I just started rewatching that. He's never seen it. And so we've been watching it the <laughs> oh last three days. And I'm like, oh my yeah, God, this is like a time history machine. Of TV. <laughs> it's just yeah. a time machine going back. But um, the outfits are everything. <laughs> It's like I'm, if those come back, I don't, I don't know. Like I feel like two thousand two thousand four. Yeah, there was certain fashion in two thousand four specifically. I'm like mm, very questionable. Yeah, it's questionable. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is. So you were in Laguna, and then you moved to Irvine, right? So you're in mm-hmm. Southern California, and you were working at a beauty company. 
Yes. Yeah. What were you, beauty company. What were you doing there? So I, my entire professional career, I've been working in social media, which could be a whole episode <laughs> on itself. Like unpacking Seriously. what working in social media oh for my the God. beauty industry constitutes. We should make uh, that a part two for sure. <laughs> oh, 100%. Yes. Let me check my NDAs. Um, <laughs> but it, yes, I, I worked and it was actually my first time in beauty. I was in hospitality before that. And it was definitely very interesting. And I kind of had like a internal crisis because like I was saying earlier, I was very much the weird kid who like was very awkward looking and just kind of strange. And so to then be working in beauty and around beautiful Southern California women who do not look like a lot of the women in Indiana or Orlando (laughs) was kind of like a, oh shit moment. (laughs) I was like, oh shit, I have to step up my game. So that was also a huge kind of milestone in my like development and discovering what was important to me. Getting into beauty, I feel like I've gone mm-hmm. through waves of being high maintenance. Um, yeah. And I feel like during the pandemic, I was not high maintenance at all because we couldn't like go get our nails and our hair done. Yeah. Um, and then after that, I, I felt like, but did you guys go through this? Where after you just kind of felt like, well, I guess this is, just like how it is now. Like, I don't, I don't need to like pay for those things. Like I survived without it. I've um, never felt that way. No, I'm like, I, I kept I getting actually, my nails done during the pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> I actually, one of the first things that I did was go get my nails done when they finally yeah. like opened them up again. Right. Okay. That was just me down here. That was just me. I was also going through just like an awful time, like where I did not think highly of myself. So I was like, I deserve to be ugly. <laughs> like not high maintenance. You could never be ugly. Oh my God. Okay. Well, thank you. <laughs> Even but if you I, try. I felt like a gremlin back yeah. then. And now I'm, so, I make like my life revolves around all my beauty appointments. Like I had my, <laughs> oh my nails gosh, done today, my hair done yeah. yesterday, and I'm getting a massage tomorrow. And I'm like, wow. this is the life I was Love meant it. to live. I'm my best yeah. self when I am just super vain. <laughs> <laughs> does, but that's not, not being vain, vain. It does to you. yeah that's just it's called good maintenance. just maintenance but no I feel like I feel like when you're someone who just knows you're meant to live a life of beauty <laughs> like whatever that means to you yeah Danielle and I talk about this all the time because we like our astrology charts are very similar and so mm. we both have Venus or we have Taurus, right? In the 10th yeah, house, which 10th is like mm-hmm. career recognition, what you're, what people, like the work you put into the world and what people see mm-hmm. from that. And so everything that we do revolves around like Venus, aesthetics, beauty. So I feel like that's very similar with your rising sign too, Tanya. So it just makes sense that yeah. like beauty is such an important, I would say like a value to you. I mean, yeah, I I agree. I feel like it, and it like infiltrates everything. Like it impacts like where I want to travel to, like what I spend my time doing, like what I invest my money in. So I I totally get it. Yeah, I see myself living in a beautiful house one day. So that's my vision. Well, your apartment's beautiful. So every time I, I mean, see you, step one, <laughs> step one, and your dog, your dog. Is oh my god, Luna! So Can we just talk cute. about you. Oh Luna. my god. She's the absolute angel on earth. She's like sleeping she really quietly is. looking at the lemon tree right now. Yeah. <gasps> my God. She's my she's one of my favorite dogs I've ever met. And I miss her dearly. I've been honored to dog sit. Jack and I to like, have met her. 
We spent Christmas with her you did. last year, but so two cute. Christmases ago. And that was mm-hmm. so special. It was so special. So, so yeah, I love Luna yeah. and she is beautiful. She's like a supermodel dog. She really is. And she's also an Aries son. So I feel like it's a very <laughs> spicy household. Wait, no, but like, how do you know your dog's sun sign? Like <laughs> when they were born. Yeah, but yeah. like, how Only do you know son, when though. she was born? Because I picked her out when she was three weeks old. Oh, so oh. I like had her birth, like birth information and everything. Yeah, I didn't take her home until she was older, obviously. But yeah, oh my she's God. Uh, Aries. Do you know her time of birth? We have to do her full chart. No, I don't. <gasps> I would love to know though. I'm sure she's oh just God. like all fire. Like, yeah, she's very, she has a mind of yeah. her own for sure. She's just like, she I'm does. not doing what you silly human like think I need to do. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. But yeah, Luna's adorable. She's a Shibu Inu and she is mm-hmm. so pretty. We'll we'll post a picture of her, of you and <laughs> of you and Luna, because you guys are just I love like that. soulmates. My little tangerine dream. She's like a little, a little redhead. I know. She's sleeping or else I'd be like, bring her over here. <laughs> yeah, she would not appreciate that. <laughs> but anyways, getting back to you and your story. Um, where do we leave off, Daniela? So I think that you, she had just talked about like um, moving to Los Angeles and like going to Laguna Beach. And yes, okay. Yeah, that was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So you were in Orange County, you were working at that beauty company. And then what, how did you get to LA? Can you share like a little bit more about landing there and how you feel about it? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so I did not realize how different Orange County and LA were geographically. Um, I think that when I was interviewing, I saw Laguna and like totally understood this is a beautiful area and like so much opportunity. But it wasn't until I visited LA for the first time that like hour and a half drive and I got there and I was like, oh, okay, I get it. Like Orange County, so I different. love it's beautiful. Yeah, but just the creative energy. And I found myself going to LA almost every weekend for like a pop-up or to, you know, have lunch with a friend. And it just, it just kept happening. So when I got a job after the beauty one, um, which was also in beauty, I was working remote. So they were fine with me, you know, living in OC or LA. So I grabbed my dog and moved there. And it was definitely the best decision because I feel like that was the pivotal moment of the Who is Tanya journey because I was surrounded by so many different types of people, different energy, very like creative mindsets. And that's something I had never really been around ever in any of the other places I've lived. Yeah, because we met when you were still living in Orange County. Yeah, we did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we... was visiting LA. Yeah, because you're... <laughs> You were at an event for your friend, Uh Britt. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So I remember when you moved and it was just crazy because I was like, wow, she, how is she living in Orange County? She's so LA, everything about her. Like she belongs (laughs) here. Like these are like her people and just how you were saying that creative energy. Did you feel like that creative energy was really helpful as you continued to write? And at that time when you moved, were you even working on releasing a poetry book like or were you just writing no yeah I I never really intended to actually put out a book until kind of that storm happened of kind of the like trilogy of COVID slash divorce slash you know being laid off so I was just 
writing all the time, but I really did feel like my energy shift and be more creative oriented by being in LA, just the different people and like the different friend groups that I would interact with who were pursuing their own creative passions and even had different jobs. I'd always been kind of surrounded by the corporate girly, like the corporate mindset. So being around people who thought differently or had a different structure to that life just fascinated me. So that really helped me start that internal exploration of like, oh, there are other ways to live. (laughs) And it's okay to, you know, second guess what you thought your life would look like and start exploring and and being more open and vulnerable. So absolutely, LA made such a huge difference. And I think just being in a place, I'm very solar powered, like being in the sun and like sun drenched just does something to me. And that was the huge difference maker too, of just running around LA, like feeling the sun on my bare shoulders and my face, like it electrified me. I don't know Mm -hmm. how else to describe it, but just all of those factors together, I was like, I am meant to be here and I'm meant to be doing more than just, you know, being on Zooms all day and and just stifling Mm -hmm. and keeping everything inside. Mm -hmm. I love everything you said. And it was so such a poetic way to describe Mm -hmm. the feeling of being in LA because like when we went to visit recently, I was like, why did we ever leave? This place is amazing (laughs) because it's, it is electrifying. And, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I'm someone who definitely, I think majority of us like need that sunshine, but there's something Mm -hmm. about it. Like, like some like truly like need it to be inspired and motivated. And I do feel like one of those people as well. So um, it's interesting mm-hmm. being somewhere else, but I I always kind of see that being somewhere that I'll go back to because of everything, like the creativity, the access to so mm-hmm. much. And, um, you know, everyone there is really trying to create and meet people. And I think that's it's such a cool feeling to be somewhere like that. Do you see yourself staying there forever? I think I do. I've been here for, I mean, Southern California for five and a half years. And out of all the places I've ever been, it absolutely feels like home. And it is interesting because sometimes I think we hear the perspective or the opinion that LA people are so fake or, um, you know, it's just not a great place to live or it's somewhere you stay for a small amount of time. I've never felt that way. Like sure, everywhere you go, there are people who might not be your cup of tea or might have different intentions. But I have not found anyone in LA that I've met or interacted with for the most part is like lovely and just trying to figure out themselves and just working on a project and just focusing and trying to be the best person that they can. And I've have never run out of people to like run into or projects that come up that I could see myself be involved in. So I definitely, you know, maybe Italy, I could move to Italy. Mm. But other than that, it's like after LA, where do you go? It was very hard. (laughs) It's so true. And now I'm going to the Midwest, which is like probably your nightmare to to leave LA and come to the Midwest. (laughs) No, I mean, listen, I visit there regularly. It's a lovely place. I think just for me though, Mm -hmm. LA probably is a better fit. Yeah, no, totally. I see you there. So once the pandemic ended, you Mm -hmm. decided, or it was midway through, right? You decided that you were going to start putting your book together. Yeah. So it happened when I moved alone for the first time in six and a half years. So I had been with my, you know, previous relationship. We lived together for almost our entire six year relationship. So quite a while. 
So I had never really lived alone as an adult. And I found myself with a lot of extra time. (laughs) I was Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what to do with this time. And I had all of these poems that I've written throughout the years and trying to understand and articulate how I felt about all the crazy things that were happening around me. And I had talked before with, um, you know, friends about like, maybe I'll put out a book. But when I was alone, I was like, you know what, why not? Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I've always written just for myself. And I keep saying that I, you know, want relationships around me to be deeper. I want a deeper connection to friends. I would love to like fall in love again one day and have a deep relationship with them. Like, how could that ever happen unless I put myself out there? And I think the book was the way for me to start that process and and help kick it Mm -hmm. off. Yeah, it was almost like a healing process. It really was. Yeah. And it's, um, it's nice too to have kind of something to kickstart like a conversation with. I think sometimes being like, I'm a poet or I'm a writer. They're like, okay, yeah, everyone can write. But it almost, I almost validated myself to myself that no, mm-hmm. I am a poet and I did this. And this is a real living thing that lives on bookshelves and in people's houses. And that gave me a little bit of a confidence boost to mm-hmm. own the fact that I am a poet and not shy away from it and embrace it being actually part of me instead of this kind of like weird after dark activity that only I knew mm-hmm. about. Right. And I think that's so bold yeah. and brave. It is. And so admirable. And I think there's so much inspiration behind just the whole evolution of where it started and now it's out in the world Mm -hmm. and just claiming it as a part of you and the responsibility, right? And the impact of it is, is so cool. And I feel like it's funny too, because you were in your Saturn return. I think you had finished your Saturn return right as you were trying to publish the book because you're 32 now. How old are you? I will be 32 in April. Okay. That's right. So yeah. Give me those extra couple months. (laughs) So your Saturn return ended like at 30. So Mm. it just like makes sense because you were saying how three years ago you feel like you came into this version of you, like who you were born to be. Mm-hmm. And I think that is so crazy how aligned you are with what that means to be in your Saturn return and then on the other side of it. So that's a whole thing that we won't go fully into it. But if you know anything about that, I, I think, yeah, it's just cool to see that you're totally living in that alignment. Yeah, definitely. I'm intrigued. I don't know anything about that, but it makes sense like hearing you explain it. Oh my gosh. Because it really was like around that time. And I thought it was just a transitioning, you know, from 20s to 30s, but it did feel bigger than that because my entire life, like every aspect for the most part, was impacted. So that would make a lot of sense. Yeah, we'll connect you with an astrologer because I feel like that would be insane for you to get your chart read and to hear about Mm -hmm. like what you went through when you were going through that really hard time. It almost, it helps you feel like, wow, that there was so much purpose. Like, obviously you feel like there was purpose in it now that you're on the other side. But when you really can get that in-depth reading with someone, you're just like, holy shit. Like that is, yeah, that is really interesting. Cause I have to say like, one of the main kind of like topics in my book is more of the concept of like shame 
and like maybe less heartbreak because I was obviously upset to lose my romantic partner, but I was much more upset about the perception of being a divorced woman and Mm -hmm. of having this now title for the rest of your life. Like I will no longer ever be single. I am divorced. And now, you know, when I'm on dates, I have to like disclaim it. (laughs) Like it's, it's a thing that's always there. And I think, you know, kind of the first question people are is like, well, what did you do wrong? Or like what happened? Or what what event started this, you know, the D word? And I was absolutely terrified of having that title, much more shamed of that than like the heartbreak of losing the partner. And so I think that's really another thing that the book helped me with is just we're taught that these things are shameful or that you just have to be like the perfect little wife or like a good girl, or you can go on and on and on. And a lot of it was me relinquishing those ideas that everyone puts on me and just being like, no, I'm still a worthy person and I'm still a sexual person. I'm still a person worthy of love, you know, et cetera. And it's okay. And these titles don't define me. So I think it would, you know, going back to the Saturn return, it would be very interesting to see if that was part of my shift, just like in mindset as well of like not letting myself be defined. Oh my God. That was amazing. Yeah. I feel like the whole mindset and coming into a new acceptance of the challenges you went through and the struggle Mm -hmm. and owning it and almost like reclaiming it. Like it doesn't have to Mm -hmm. be something that I'm ashamed of. This is something that I went through that will obviously be a part of me, right? Because it's an experience that was so deep, but I'm not just that. And I'm so much more. And I think that feels really true to this new Tanya, right? This Tanya that you were born to be is like, unabashful, unashamed, unapologetic, like here to speak her truth with fire and ferocity. Like that's who you are. So I think, yeah, it's just a beautiful thing to watch you just be in this new version. I love that. Thank you. It's so interesting though, because like you, like you are a divorced person, but like through that experience, you also earned the becoming the poet that you always have been, mm-hmm. right? It's almost like like this weird-ass trade-in, right? That you <laughs> had to go through to like get to where you were always supposed to be. So it's like, it's so poetic in itself. And I just really wanted to recognize that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yes, I went from being a wife to being an erotic poet. And I'm not upset. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, it sounds so much more fun. <laughs> It really is. Yes. So do you ever want to get married again? I would have to find the right person. I am definitely absolutely a hopeless romantic. I don't know where it comes from, but I believe my person is out there somewhere. I definitely want to like have a family and have a partner. The marriage title, I think I'd really have to like talk seriously with that person about it, but I'd, I'd be open to it. I need a new muse. So it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's time. yes you do but you are your own muse so that is actually very true it is true (laughs) no but I totally understand that though like the muse thing is a real thing Mm -hmm. like yeah Mm -hmm. but it doesn't always have to be like a painful muse like a a muse that's causing you pain so that you can write amazing beautiful poetry (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. I would like someone to be a source of like light and love, you know, mm-hmm. maybe that would be great. The pain yeah. I can do without, but everything else I'm down for. <laughs> yeah. And we can always <laughs> find something to be pained about. Like it's right. fine. 100%. It's the artist's yeah. way. Right. Yeah. Is, yes. Did you think that good poetry comes from just everything going well in life? Absolutely not. No, I don't think <laughs> right. I would have even been able to discover who I am unless I went through things and like figured out how I thought about them through writing. So I think you have to have all of the spectrum of emotions to be a good writer. And that's how you obviously communicate and connect like your audience and the reader. But no, absolutely. Nothing will ever be perfect. And so poetry will never be, you know. And I feel like that's intentional. I really feel like we're supposed Mm -hmm. to live a very rocky life (laughs) where (laughs) we can, because what what is inspiration without those times where we like need to look to something else other than ourself and our ego? So I think Absolutely. like those humbling moments are what make life beautiful because it just makes yeah. those good moments and the beauty in it just so much more beautiful and so much more exciting. exciting. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And even if everything is going wonderfully in my life, in our society and our culture, that's not the case. So there will always mm-hmm. be something to, you know, messages or things happening around you that will impact you. And that's another way to kind of, you know, figure out how you feel about things and, and move past them and hopefully help in some way. Right. And it's just like, I think you get better. Well, hopefully like that's the goal is to just get better mm-hmm. moving through it. And as you continue to develop a stronger mind and mindset, on things, um, those like difficult times, you can kind of hold on to that inner, mm-hmm. that inner faith almost in a sense where you're like, okay, I've, you know, gone through it before. Like this is either nothing in comparison and I know I've seen the other side and what came after that. So like, I'm just going to laugh along the way. <laughs> I love that. Yes. And I, that kind of reminds me of a quote from somewhere um, that I heard is like, if you're not kind of cringing or like ashamed of something you did last year, like you're not growing. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just so true. I always look back and I'm like, I could have handled that differently. (laughs) Or I learned this from that. So I I totally agree. It's, It's necessary. There's, you can't escape pain in this life. You can only, you know, figure out how you deal with it and how it makes you a better person. So I cannot Mm -hmm. agree more. It's so true. And I think like, you falling in love with yourself for the first time and really nurturing that relationship is so, it's so precious. And so how's that going? Like how, how's that experience from feeling like you finally knew who you were falling in love with yourself? Like what, what is that like? It feels very liberating. I think that we kind of hear this, you know, like story or this way to deal with things is like you have a little like person inside of you, like an age maybe where you got hurt or where you experienced something and or like where you feel a sense of shame. And for mine, it's just being like a little girl and like feeling ignored or feeling hurt and not really understanding the world around me. And so I always am like little Tanya is in there. And she's still upset and she's still hurt. But like big Tanya is trying to like hold her hand and like work through it. And at the, you know, at the same time, I'm both little and big Tanya. So I think it's just constantly trying to like treat myself better and validate myself. Because, you know, even when you, we were saying earlier, like, oh, like 
Tanya's beautiful or this, I like cringe inside because Mm -hmm. that's not how I see myself. I see myself as the little awkward girl who, you know, feels a kinship with Severus Snape and like we have the same (laughs) haircut. And like, that's how I, that's how I see myself. So when people say that, you know, when I was younger or less developed, you know, emotionally, I'd be like, they're lying or like I've tricked them. They think Mm -hmm. I'm this wonderful person, but I'm this little weird girl. So throughout the years and like, especially in the last few years, I've really figured out how to talk nicer to myself and understand that like, yes, I'm that weird girl, but I'm also like wonderful and I should love myself. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm learning and imperfect like anyone else. So I think it's all, it's very cliche, but it's all a journey. There's still days where, you know, I'm hard on myself or feel worse than other days, but then I just remind myself like how far I've come, you know, I'm still that weird girl, but I am starting to love that little weird girl and Mm. it'll be okay. (laughs) That's so sweet. I love that practice. Yeah. What other things do you do to like really believe that, right? Because it's like you're reframing things and you're really trying to believe it. Do you think it just takes time? Absolutely. Yeah. I think it takes time. And just for me, it was just going through certain things and still knowing that I was okay and that I had myself. And I'm also, I'll sometimes write down, of course, writer, I'll write down things that I'm proud of. Like in a recent breakup, I wrote down like three affirmations in my notes app of like ways that I am proud of myself for showing up in the relationship, for like handling when it ended and still continuing to hand, you know, handle it in moments of sadness. And those are the moments where I'm proud of myself because no one told me to do that. I just knew myself well enough to know that I'm going to be sad about this or I'm going to have certain feelings. And so I need to kind of like get ahead of it, but also have a way to self-soothe. And I would have never gotten there if I didn't handle, you know, breakups or other things in not so great ways in the past. So I think it just take for me, it took time and kind of doing things the wrong way and seeing that they didn't have the effect I wanted. And it was a waste of time to know how I wanted to, you know, act and self-soothe in the future. I'm hearing a lot of compassion for your past self. And I think that we all Mm -hmm. need that because like just the fact that you acknowledge that you couldn't have gotten to where you're at right now, where you're handling things in a way that's healthy and like good for you, right? If you hadn't had been like, quote unquote, Mm -hmm. bad before. And, and I think that that's like so important to highlight because I feel like we are constantly judging our bad decisions from our past selves. Like, oh my God, I was so stupid for not seeing this. Or what did I say? Like, and I sometimes like I'm laying in bed at night and I remember something I said in college eight years ago. And I'm like, no one remembers, but also like, who cares? Right. And, and also just like holding yourself in that space, like your past self and being like, Hey, like, I love you. I love you, little Tanya. Like that is so, that's such a beautiful practice that everyone should start doing, including myself. (laughs) Hint, hint, nudge, nudge. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It's like so beautiful. Okay. So what can we do to be more confident, Tanya? Because I feel like When I look at you, I just see someone who comes off very confident. And so what do you do to almost like convince yourself of this like confidence? What's the practice? 
I mean, I think that I just, this is another very like cliche response, but I just have started to care less about what people think. You know, in the past, this is not a new concept, but I would just have to be perfect. I'm like, I will show up. I'll have the perfect responses to these questions. I will look perfect. So even if I sound like an idiot, you know, someone will be like, but she's so pretty. It's fine. (laughs) I will find any way to kind of like control the situation or the perception. And I think I just, you know, realized over time, and it was just something I think that came with like age and experience that I'm not perfect, but the people that care about me don't want me to be perfect. And in Mm -hmm. fact, like a lot of like, you know, friends or romantic relationships, like in the moments where I'm being goofy or weird or not put together, they're like, I love this side of you. And Mm -hmm. they will say that. And so that I think is really what it comes from. I'm like, old Tanya, not even little Tanya, just less evolved Tanya would have been just kicking myself for saying certain things or responding to things certain way. And now I'm just like, I my confidence comes within. I'm like, I know that no matter what I say, I was true to myself. And it's really how I felt. And I'm more in tune with how you know I feel, which is newer to me. And I just have to let it shine through. So I don't have a secret magic bullet. I think I'm still building my confidence. But just knowing that it's going to be okay with whatever I say and do and that the world's not going to end if I have a stupid answer, it'll be okay, you know, so. I definitely needed to hear that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, I I think I'm going to get tattooed, but I was true to myself. Like three, Mm -hmm. like three dots, but I was true to myself. Because like, if we grab anything that we did wrong, quote unquote, in the past, right? And we finish the sentence but I was true to myself, right? It just mm-hmm. feels so, so different. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's such a powerful reframe. I love that. Wow, that was so good. I'm like already thinking about three different scenarios in my life right now that I do not want to face because <laughs> of like what it's going to do to other people. And just that mantra or just that mm-hmm. phrase, but I was true to myself. I think that's something that could help me get through those things. Oh, yeah, I, I love that. And I, I think too, you know, I know it's been said a few times, but just the like good girls, like don't get angry or like make waves or make life harder for other people. That was absolutely ingrained in me. And it still takes some like muscle memory reversal <laughs> to try and get it to stop. But that was like the biggest thing is being true to myself. And I don't have to do it in a hurtful way or a reckless way that destroys people or things. But you have to featured yourself and you have to, you know, let your intentions and what you want guide you. And you can't let what other people think or what they want you to do control your life because then you'll be really upset and act out later. <laughs> At least I would. That's the yes. fun though. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, yes. I, I totally feel that too. I feel like I went through a phase. I feel like every female identifying person has gone mm-hmm. through that where especially if you've been that good girl and that's been your identity for so long that Mm -hmm. once you start to feel like I don't have to do that anymore, you almost go to the extreme of like, Mm -hmm. okay, I'm going to be a terror. Like the the villain era is so real. Yes, totally. (laughs) And, And like, this reminds me of the one poem that like, I still remember it to like, it's the poem that where you describe anger. Like, yes, the, that one poem, like, can you please read it, Mariah? It's like, 
I okay. geek out on it so much because it? I had never heard anyone describe anger like how I felt it, right? And it's almost like you don't feel it, you know? It's like you're repressing it, right? But it's there mm-hmm. and it's like ever-present. Okay, I don't know if it, this is the one, but this is another one that definitely has that vibe. Does it mention knees? Because if it mentions knees, it's that one. <laughs> no, maybe Tanya will know, but this is the one that I feel like got me to is, but I'm the fault line that makes the leaves shake in the gravitational pull that can bring this whole house down. I love that one. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like that totally signifies just like that anger right within and like the impact that that can have. And it's okay. It's okay if you bring this whole house down. Yeah, absolutely. And that one was really like inspired by like a man specifically thinking that like kind of I would be the good girl and I would, you know, stand by. I think there's kind of that concept in our society of that ride or die girl, like the woman who's going to stick by your side no matter what, not question Mm -hmm. things and just follow your lead. And I quickly realized like I am not that woman. I have my own thoughts and my own feelings. And that's kind of where the poem was from is like, I'm allowed to be angry. Like I am allowed to have a response to other people's actions. So I love that. And it's definitely ingrained in us that we should not be upset or cause again, waves and, and be like rageful when really a lot of the time I am mad. <laughs> like I'm not <laughs> sad or heartbroken. I'm pissed yeah. and that's okay. And that's that Aries energy, right? You're so fiery. So it's like, you can't <laughs> help it sometimes, but that's just like who you are. Yes. And that's what we're meant to experience. I think we're all meant to be this like mm-hmm. fully expressed version of self, whether that trigger someone or not, like that's who we're meant Mm -hmm. to be for a purpose. Like we're here to be in that frequency and that energy. And so, yeah, I think for you, like almost that core value is anger and it's sacred. It's like my anger is sacred to me. Like that is my creativity. That is my essence. And Mm -hmm. like, that's beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And I think sometimes anger makes you a better person. For me, it reveals what I really care about, you know, when Mm -hmm. our rights get taken away or when there's an injustice, I'm angry. And to me, that signaling myself, like, I really care about this. And this is like the core of who I am. And these are my ethos. And we, I totally agree. We're meant to experience all spectrums of emotions. So we can not only communicate with others, but ourselves. Mm -hmm. I never looked at anger that way as like a director towards what means the most to you. Which is, mm-hmm. it's, it yeah. seems like so logical that that makes sense. But now I'm looking at it like, wow, there's specific moments and things that happen in the world that I'm like extra heated on. Mm-hmm. And like, mm-hmm. you know, Jack would be like, okay, why are you getting so upset over that issue? And I'm like, I don't know why. I just feel like I'm about to burst into flames. Mm-hmm. And it's really because, care. yeah. And I think that's like leading us towards like a calling of a sort, like something that we're passionate mm-hmm. about that we should yeah. be involved in or be an advocate for. Cause it's a part of our truth. Cause there's like that resonance almost. You can see yourself in that situation. And it can also be like a great gateway to learning how it feels to be angry because I feel like a lot of us didn't know what it was like to be angry. Like I remember sitting in Mm -hmm. therapy and my therapist would ask me like, okay, you're angry. How does that feel like in your body? And I'm like, I don't know. I've I've repressed it for so long and like thought that only crazy people were angry that like, I don't even know how that feels like. 
And what I realized like through therapy and her like guiding me through it was like, okay, when you feel anger, right? Like sit with it. And I realized that like causes or like people mistreating my friends, that always gets me so angry. Mm-hmm. And it's usually not real pertaining to myself. And I feel like through getting angry for these like reproductive rights, so, right? Like we should all be angry about this, right? That can also lead you to finding the anger within to like defend yourself too. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. It's like finding that like leeway into, okay, this is anger. Because I feel like there's people that anger comes naturally to them, right? But then there's so many of us that like didn't feel it ever. And we're having to like relearn anger, right? And Mm -hmm. finding that like externally helps you find the anger inside and then helps (laughs) you transform that, that, you know? It's like, it's so interesting and, and so important. Because again, like no feelings, no emotions are wrong or right. They're just emotions that are meant to Mm -hmm. be felt, you know, it's energy and motion. So. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think anger is always just seen as a negative emotion and any negative emotion. So like we're just conditioned to trying to make it go away. Like if you're really upset, they're like, okay, just calm down. Or if you're sobbing, they're like, okay, just take a deep breath. Like everything is always about trying to move to a positive emotion. And I cannot agree more. Like it just sit in it. Like it serves a purpose for yourself or like for the world, depending on what you're, you know, angry about. But it's a it's a real thing and we shouldn't shy away from it just because we're women. In fact, we have a lot more to be angry about, I think. But oh yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Totally. I I really want to try and find some kind of a workshop where you can express anger in like a way that you can just like release it, like sit in it and Mm -hmm. release it. That's something that I would love to experience. And I did a, I think it was like a meditation one time. And at the end of it, this woman who was facilitating the space, she was talking about anger and I was like asking her questions about it. And then she led us through this just kind of practice of screaming at the top of our lungs, like thinking of something that infuriates us and then screaming no um, and just saying the word no and, and yelling it and screaming it. And it felt incredible. It was like, I felt high after it and I felt completely different in my body. It was like electric almost. And something that Jack does, like he gets very angry whenever he like hurts himself. Like he's super tall. So he's always like running into things, hitting his head. And um, like at first in our relationship, he would like get angry after and yell. And I'd be like, no, please like, don't do that. That scares me. Like that's bad. Um, And he was like, why are you telling me that's bad? Like it's something that makes me feel good when I do that. And like, I almost need to. And then I realized that I had an issue with that, that, oh my gosh, yeah, I've just learned that that like anger is bad and yelling is bad, um, right? Like Mm -hmm. you shouldn't yell at your spouse, right? Like that's not like a healthy relationship if you guys are yelling. Um, But sometimes I do feel like it's okay, like to get upset and raise your voice if it's something that you're feeling in the moment and that you shouldn't like shame the person for doing that. I think you can express like, hey, like, you know, sometimes that like was really triggering to me and like talk through it and kind of like kind of meet in the middle. But that's something that I'm working on is like 
allowing my partner to, because he's so emotional and he feels Mm -hmm. so much emotion, he's internalizing it to the point where like it's killing him from the inside out and he needs to express it. And so I've recently just been like, okay, I'm going to have a new, like, I think that's also a codependency thing. Like, I feel like he needs to regulate me sometimes. And so I think me allowing him to be angry and then me being like, okay, no, I'm safe. Like, this is a person who is safe. He's like not trying to harm me. He just like stubbed his toe, hit his head. Like he just needs to like yell for a second and it'll be fine. And he's always fine after he's like, oh, okay, I feel fine. Like actually that pain, like I don't, my head doesn't hurt because I like let out this like yell. And so I've like learned this whole new like sacredness, I guess, around it. And I can now regulate myself and I don't need to, like however somebody else is feeling doesn't need to always dictate how I feel. Um, Like I've always held onto responsibility of someone else's emotion. So I think Mm. just the practice of letting somebody else be in their emotion and being like, okay, I'm not going to like absorb it. I'm just going to let you do it. And it doesn't Mm -hmm. necessarily need to like be something that I, yeah, that I feel after. So from the other side, I guess, like that's kind of the perspective of like just allowing people to be angry, but also knowing that it's okay for you to be in that as well. Yeah. And I love that example too, Mariah, because it's like he expresses it and then he's done with it and he feels better. I think Mm -hmm. when you are kind of like repressing it or like are always angry, that's what leads to other problems. I mean, that was kind of, that's my like back cover of my book is about basically my dad being an angry man and it how it seeped into my life and made me angry and he would never let go of his anger so I do think it's good to like call out that it should be a temporary emotion (laughs) um Mm -hmm. and an expression because obviously if you take it too far to the other side there's a lot of other implications but it's very real and it I think it's very important to express it when it shows up and figure out and get use it to get to the bottom of what's you know really going on And that example also got me thinking about like children, right? Like a kid doesn't get what they want or they, they, you know, like they stub their toe, they start crying, they like, they're upset about it, right? And we see it as normal, right? It's like, we're accepting this from a child, but they're actually expressing their real emotions. Like they haven't been, you know, like, gone through, they haven't gone through this filter of like what's acceptable in society and what they're doing is actually the healthiest thing ever. Right. So it's like Mm -hmm. kind of like going back to, I feel like I, I'm constantly thinking that I have to go back to my child self. Like the key to a lot of things Mm -hmm. in my life is going back to my child self. And this is why I cried during that Ryan Reynolds movie, the Adam Project. Oh yeah, I, I saw was, that. yeah. Like I feel like it's it's such a it's it's such a fun movie, but a lot of people think it's cheesy. But there's this one scene where he's like saying goodbye to his child self because he goes back in like time, and he's like, "I've been trying to run away from you for years, and it turns out that you were the best part of me." And I don't know how I got here, but that freaking line always mm. gets me. It's like we all have to return to that level of Mm -hmm. just being in our natural state without all of the like societal restrictions, right? I mean, I'm not saying that we should all like throw hissy fits and like start crying out of the blue and just (laughs) like, you know, like throwing food on the floor. But (laughs) 
it's like, <laughs> but there's something to that. Yeah, there, well, I mean, I don't know, to each their own. But like, I wouldn't feel great with people throwing food on the floor. I'm sorry, but. <laughs> <laughs> there's a time or a place to be angry, yeah, right? But like, yes. That's where the evolved sense comes in. Yeah, you know yeah. yourself and where and how to express it. But I right. agree. <laughs> Totally. Right, right, right. There's like, there's a lot of gray area with with everything in life. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, it's like, yes, we can be angry, but also like, you know, you got to be respectful in certain situations. Like there are times, right? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're at a restaurant and you just like throw everything <laughs> off the table. Like you're like, but the patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which sounds kind of freeing, but I agree. Yeah, I'm sure we'd all feel better after that, (laughs) (laughs) at least for a minute. Um, But yeah, no, there's a time and a place, and I think you know it's it's more just like the sentiment that it's it's okay to feel your anger and it's okay to express it right in an appropriate time, right where it's like a safe environment where you can like really be with yourself and it be intentional. Yeah. So. Tanya, we always ask our guests this last question. What would you tell your younger self if you could? What would I tell my younger self? So if I could go back to little Tanya at her origin, I feel like I would tell her to spend more time figuring out who she is. I think for a lot of time, I would just kind of go through the motions and just kind of be in survival mode that it took me a long time to really be in tune with who I am as a person, what I want out of life, what my passions are, etc. And it would have been a little nicer to discover that earlier in life. (laughs) So I would tell her kindly and gently, just try new things, figure out what you like to do. And and don't be afraid of what people are going to think about you. And you'll probably go a little further earlier in life. But you know, here we are anyway. <laughs> Here we are anyway. <laughs> I love that. That's beautiful. We can all take that to heart for sure. So thank you for that. What's next? Are you writing again? Have you ever stopped? Is it just like constantly something in your life that you're always doing? Yeah, it's definitely something that I'm always doing. I feel like I definitely had a writing hangover when I published the book because I spent so many time so much time trying to curate these 75 poems that are in there that I just looked at them over and over again and tweaked them and, you know, got them into a place where I felt comfortable sharing. So I've been writing, but at a much slower pace. I would love to do a second book. I have no idea if it would be the same like vibe, have the same type of categories or still be in the space theme. But don't be surprised if I change my mind like an Aries and have a book coming in a few months. I could see that happening too. (laughs) I love that. Yeah. And you're just being, like you said in the beginning of this podcast, like taking it day by day. Like you just have to absolutely get through each day. Kate, where can we find your book? Where can we find you and your poems and all of the things? Yeah, good question. So I um, have my book at two local bookstores in LA, um, at Book Soup on Sunset, and then Skylight, which is in like the Los Feliz area. Um, and then um, on my Instagram, which is Tanya Gabrish, there is a link to my website. So you can find everything 
there and get like a little excerpt and like get a little tasting to see if you want to taste my supernova. <laughs> yes. Um, but all that information is there. <laughs> oh my gosh. We love it. Well, thank you so much. We'll link everything in the show notes so everyone can check Tanya out. She's amazing. She's a powerhouse. And yeah, we just, we love, we love you. And we love getting to hear just the way you look at the world. It's really beautiful. So thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having me. This was wonderful. Thank you, Tanya. Bye. Bye. Bye.